I mean, we've touched upon a lot of it. Like your hard work determines how successful you will be in life. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. I really hope you guys enjoy today's episode. If you do, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, then pay a simple cheap fee. All I ask is that you like the episode and then maybe share it with a friend you think would enjoy it as well. Help continue to grow this podcast and share the words of wisdom from all my guests that joined the show with as many people as possible. As always, be sure to grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Let's get into this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. We are on to episode 57, I believe. I can't even keep track anymore. It just keeps climbing. I still can't believe that we've made it this far. Like I said back a few episodes ago, I didn't even think we'd make it to episode 10, but we're on to 50-something, 57, I believe. But today, we're going to continue with this topic of hard work, and I have someone joining me today who truly exemplifies what hard work can do for you and where it can lead you. Ohio State Buckeye and Olympian, Adelaide Aquila, welcome to the Roughnecks podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> I hope I did pronounce your name right. I meant to ask you yeah. beforehand, but I, I, no. is that something that you kind of run into every once in a while, I'm assuming? Oh my gosh, all the time. The other weekend, we had like our student athlete game for Ohio State, and the announcers got it wrong. And immediately I was like texting all these people. I was like, it's pronounced this way. Can we like please get that right for next game? Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I, that's something with names. It happens all the time. I just wanted <laughs> to make sure I pronounced it correctly. But I start all my episodes by allowing the guests to tell the Roughnecks listeners who they are. So tell us a little bit about who you are. So I am originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I started doing track in elementary school. It was kind of funny. We had this thing at my school where if you did every event on the track in a year, you would get a sweatshirt. And so it was my weekend to do shop, but, and I guess I was good at it. I don't know. So they made me stick with it. I didn't get the sweatshirt, but I guess from becoming an Olympian is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much better than that. And then once I got to high school, I really stuck with track and just kept like improving it and slowly starting to like it more and more. You know, when you're a little kid, like you don't really love something. At least that's not how I was. Mm -hmm. I was kind of all over the place doing anything that I wanted to. And then once I got to high school, I started really like honing in on what I wanted to do and like continue throwing shot put in college. And so around my junior, junior year, early senior year, I think I got, I started getting a couple of recruiting offers. And so I was between Miami of Ohio and Ohio state. And I talked it over with my parents just like kind of seeing their opinion. Obviously I was still going to make the choice on my own, but just like wanted to see where their head was at, what they thought was best for me. And then I ultimately chose Ohio state just for the progression of my track and field career. You know, I could see myself 
competing against these big 10 athletes or like national champions at the time, like all these really high caliber athletes all the time versus if I would have went to Miami, I would have had one or two meets with them a, a year versus like mm-hmm. seeing big 10 athletes every weekend. So came to Ohio state, my freshman and sophomore year wasn't really focused on track was just kind of like taking an old college. You Everybody know? has that. I remember my freshman year of college and I went to a small D three school, but I st- you still almost, cause I remember watching my GPA go and going, Oh crap. Oh. <laughs> this is not normal. Yeah. <laughs> you get that wake up call freshman year though. It was mine came my sophomore year. I took chemistry and calc at the same time. Well, that's where you messed up. <laughs> yes. That's where I messed up. And that was like, all right, like, you have to focus, like you're getting all out of hand. So after that, my coach called me and she said, like, I think you can be really good. I need you to dedicate the time to the sport. Give it your all in weights, give it all, give it your all in training and just like do all the extra stuff and be really good. And that's kind of when I had my turnaround, like not only academically, but also like athletically, I was like, all right, I could definitely see myself doing this post collegiate and then really like focusing on it. So I finished out that year. I stayed down here, which was the first time I had ever done. I stayed down here for the summer, trained all summer, just like lifting weights and everything. And then I came into my junior year and I was having a really good fall training. So normally in the fall, we'll do like general prep like we'll basically do like circuit training body weight stuff just to like make sure we're not just strong we're actually athletes Mm -hmm. too and so I was having really good fall we were seeing really good numbers um in my shot put distances and then indoor seasons comes I'm doing really well we get to nationals and it gets canceled the day before we're supposed to throw they literally they sent out the message a day before we were supposed to throw. And I was like heartbroken. I was like, mm-hmm. I remember Stanford or Harvard or somebody wasn't allowed to go to the meet. And I was like, I wish I was in their position. Like I would have been saved all this anticipation and like happiness of actually being here versus yeah. like getting it shut down. And then I went home, stayed with my family for COVID, trained by myself. My dad like welded me a squat rack. So it had like the two little squat bars and then a for the bench and I came back last year and had a <laughs> had a pretty good year one indoor big tens one outdoor big tens one indoor nationals one outdoor nationals and then went to the Olympics so <laughs> yeah that's what I was gonna start this episode once you got done with this I wanted to go through your list of accomplishments from Ohio State and just through your career which is a lengthy list and it's kind of crazy to look at like you went from a walk-on to scholarship at Ohio State you were mm-hmm. 2021 female athlete of the year for Ohio State, two-time NCAA champ, three-time Big Ten champ, set the school record for indoor and outdoor shot put records, Big Ten athlete of the championships for both indoor and outdoor, field athlete of the year, honors for both indoor and outdoor. And then 15 days after winning your outdoor title is when you became the, the U.S. Olympian, plus three-time first-team All-American, and you even threw out a first pitch for the Cleveland Indians. We'll throw that in there because that's pretty awesome because not many people honestly get to do that. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. (laughs) Your list, and, like, that just goes to show that 
it's not just talent that gets you there. It's the hard work. Cause you just talked about, you had that little slump and it happens. I feel like to every athlete, especially cause I went through it in my college career. I played college football, but on a smaller scale, but it's still like you go through that little slump. And sometimes all it takes is that one person being like, listen, like you can be good. You just got to do this. And that little extra push to get to where you need to be. We always talk about how, when you're trying to achieve greatness, the success path is never like straight linear. You're always going to have little ups and downs. So to go through those and like have those people with you during those downs is really like what makes the difference in like you continuing to do your sport or you continuing to do like whatever your career path is like that type of thing. And then having them there to constantly not like reassure you, but like almost like say like you got it like you've already achieved like this much like that's one of the big things I struggle with is since I was a walk-on like you kind of touched upon I always have that walk-on mentality so I'm always thinking like oh I'm not as good as her because I'm a walk-on like I'm never gonna get out of that phase where I don't think of myself as a walk-on like even though I made it to the Olympics like I'm still gonna think of myself like as a walk-on and it's so weird because in practice, I've seen myself throw so far, like to win like any meet basically. And it's just like weird that that sticks with you no matter what. I was going to ask, cause you kind of touched on it. If being a walk-on did discourage you a little bit, because I've talked to a lot of people. I've had CJ Saunders who played at Ohio state for the football team on this <laughs> podcast. And he was a walk-on and we talked about kind of how it can be discouraging because you get that mentality as, Oh, I'm not as good as them. But what was your thought process? Like, where did you, like, get that gear to keep grinding and keep going after it? So this past indoor season, I started off with a really disappointing mark. Like, in practice, I'd been throwing two two meters further than that, so basically, like, six feet. And I started off with, like, something terrible. I think it was, like, 15, 16 meters, so, like, I actually don't know the feet conversion. I would say like 54 feet. I'm not good with the whole math conversion thing either. So it's fine. So I threw like 54 feet and then I freaked myself out in my head. I was like, what are you like? I basically convinced myself that that was what I meant to throw. Even though every day in practice, I would see myself throwing like 18 meters, 18 meters. And it would be consistent. It wouldn't be like one throw. It'd be consistently hitting that. And so eventually my coach and I, it got to the point where I was like super frustrated at practice. I started crying. I, I'm a very emotional person. Like I kind of like <laughs> get attached to something and I'm very competitive. So if something's not going my way, it's automatically, I'm just going to start crying. So I was having a really bad practice and she was, and we were just like sitting there and I just like left practice. That was the only time I've ever left practice. I probably will never do it again, <laughs> but I left practice and she called me after and we had this like two hour conversation. She was like, I don't know why you're doubting yourself. Like you're better than this. Like you've thrown this far. Like I see it every day in practice. Like you're literally, like, like I just said, you're convincing yourself you're not good. And so we talked about it for like two hours. And then the next meet I came out, did a little better, did a little better, like slowly growing my confidence back. And then finally by big tens, I had thrown like, 1772 to win or something like not great but still like good and then indoor nationals came and I was like all right like if I foul out I foul out but like I want to give it my all like I didn't expect myself to be here especially when I started off the season so poorly so 
Yeah. Like, and you talked earlier, like you're going to have your ups and downs and that's in any part of life. That's the thing. I have a lot of athletes on this podcast, being a former athlete, I connect to athletes a lot better, but when you look at athletics, it teaches you a lot about life as well, because you're going to have those ups and downs in life, but you just can't give up. And that's something that you exemplify is, you know, you're going to have those and you need those mentors in your life because they come, you can't push them away. Sometimes we tend to, I did. And like, it happens, but cause I remember like my siblings were one of them that I'd always push away. And then like come later in life, I'm like, man, they were just trying to help me. But it's one of those things that you're going to have those ups and downs in life. And that's okay. Just know once you go down, you have to go down to go back up. So mm-hmm. once you go, just because you're going down, doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Just know you got it. And it, it's on you too, to climb yourself back up. And that goes along with the slogan of this podcast, which is grab the bull by the horns. And it's the whole thing of the bull is life and we're the bull rider and it's going to knock us down and that it's going to happen. But look at every bull rider that you've ever seen. They get back up and they go ride a bull again. You got to get up, grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life because no one else is going to do it for you. You might get some encouragement, some push, but you're the only person who can truly do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of Ryan Day just, Ohio State Athletics just posted something about Ryan Day and his struggle with mental health. And I think this like kind of translates into that like very like well, like he talked about how he had never spoken about how his father had committed suicide when he was at a young Mm -hmm. age. And then he finally started like telling people and he really just felt like a sense of control in his life. And he was able to grow his relationship with his family, his wife, his kids, like all these like his athletes too you know he was able to like just grow so much exponentially more on like once he really like accepted that he was at bottom like he needed to go up and like tell people about like what had happened in his past exactly and that's the thing too like you have to talk about things sometimes I know you might not want to talk about things right away when things happen but at the end of the day because I can't think of a time where I, when I finally talked about something, whether it be a breakup, a bad day, whatever it is, when I talked about it, all of a sudden I was like, man, I just feel better. Like you feel a lot better. And that is one of the things that always helped too with that athletics is you get that stress reliever, you know, whether it be going to the gym or going to practice, whatever it is, you get that stress reliever, get some energy out. But at the end of the day, you have to talk about things as well. Mental health is a big thing nowadays and it's becoming more recognized and i'm glad it is because it especially being a student athlete you know what it's like you know those long days like you have practice you have this you have that and then you got to fit in your schoolwork too because that is ultimately what they tell you is the most important thing but it's a hard thing to manage all that and that is one thing that you learn in college real quick being a student athlete is how to time manage what was that like as a freshman you know coming in what did you struggle with the time management side of things Yes. I, my freshman and sophomore year, I was terrible at time management. Like I, okay. I think I would spend like three hours total on homework and I would be enrolled in like 15 to 18 credit hours. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of time spent on, or not a lot of time spent on a lot of credit hours. Yeah. After I had my ass kicked in chem and calc, I was like, all right, like you need to turn stuff around. And so then I started like planning out, like I, I'm kind of a meticulous, like detailed person. So I like plan out like, all right, I class this time. I have to do this then. Like I will write out my schedule for the day, like every single day. So that's one of the big things that like helped me turn 
all of it around. And, I you know, can attest to that because I was, when I originally came in, you know, I was like, I don't need a planner. Like what <laughs> I don't, I never used one in high school or anything, but when I started like, you know, my GPA went down the drain for a second. When I started using one, all of a sudden you're like, I'm like, Oh, I need to be doing something. Like I know what I have to do. And you, you space out that time for certain things. And there might be nights where you don't get to go hang out with friends or go to the bar, play video games, whatever the hell it is. But it's a sacrifice you have to make because it's a sacrifice that'll benefit you later in life. Right. Yeah. That was definitely one of the hardest things my sophomore year to like come to terms with. Like I was expecting there to be a perfect balance between like athletics, school and having a social life. And I just had to like come to the realization that athletics and school are probably going to take up a lot more time than your social life. Mm -hmm. You'll have like your few like nights with friends and everything. Like you can talk to them, go to dinner with them, but you're never going to be like, you're never going to be like a normal person. You're not going to have time. So that was what I kind of came to terms with my sophomore year, like figuring it all out. One of the questions that I asked CJ Saunders that I wanted to ask you, both of you being walk-ons and it relates very well. What advice would you give to someone who might be coming a or walk-on athlete at a any, you know, whatever level it is, what advice would you give them? So this might make not a lot of sense, but it might make a lot of sense. Don't try and aim for the person who's right in front of you try to aim to beat the person who's supposedly like the best person in the room you want to try to compete with them at everything when I was a freshman here or when I was a sophomore my goal was to throw the same distance as Sade who was a national champion in weight indoor I was my goal was to throw the same distance as her lift the same amount as her and just like constantly be competing with her. So I'm right under that level. So you're constantly pushing her and she's constantly pushing you. So you're constantly building that level until one person either goes all the way up or the other person passes them. So I just would say like, aim for the best person in the room and don't like take your target off of them. And then once you become the best person, like you figure out what somebody in the professional world does. So like, you'll figure out like what a professional shot putter throws or lifts or all of these distances. And you'll aim for those goals. Like you want to have all these different level goals for different things that you want to do. If you want to start in football, you have to adapt everything that a starter does. If you want to go to big 10 championships and play there. Like you have to adapt everything that you do that those people do there. So it's just constantly like making these goals for yourself, achieving them and then saying, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? A hundred percent. I agree because it's almost the whole saying of iron sharpens iron, because if you look at, you know, that you want to like the workout thing. I remember my freshman year, you know, you're a little scared to go list with some of these senior starters. I mean, I get it. It's a little, you don't know them. You're a freshman. Do they even want to lift with you? Whatever. <laughs> but I remember being a senior and I'd start to bring them with me because that's what a senior did with me. Yes. He was like, Hey, come lift with me. And you know, mm-hmm. because all of a sudden you're like, you don't think you're, you're not going to back down when someone's like they bench 225 or whatever. And they're like, all right, your turn. And you're like, 
You know, I'm not going to tell you to take the weight off. Like, I'm just going to do it. And all of a sudden, you become stronger. You push yourself a lot more when you work out with people or just surround yourself with people that are better, like, better than you, essentially. And that's mm-hmm. the whole thing of, like, I don't remember the whole exact saying, but, like, if you hang out with five bums, you're going to be the sixth one. If you hang out with five successful people, you're going to be the sixth one. It's it, You surround <laughs> yourself with who you want to be. Right. And that's also like one of the other things like you touched upon the seniors pushing the freshmen my thing is like I want to be comfortable enough with everybody in the weight room that if you see me doing some like bullshit weight or if I see you doing some bullshit weight it's like immediately that person's getting called out like you're not about to come into the weight room that's our mandatory practice right now because we're only in eight hours that's our mandatory stuff and just dilly dally through it like only give half effort that's not gonna happen like this is how you get better I've proved it so many former athletes have proved it like you have to see the pattern and adapt to the pattern like you said and keep growing with like everybody else yes 100% so when did you actually get put on scholarship so I don't know if I'm allowed to say like what numbers I got exactly. (laughs) No, I just meant like when, like what year were you when you finally got, when they were like. So I'm a fifth year right now. I got put on scholarship. It wasn't a lot. My junior year. So three years ago or two and a half. Yeah. But two years ago, I got put on a little bit. And then after covid season i got put on a little bit more and then finally this year was the first year i was on a full what was that feeling like when they were like hey we're putting you on some even a little bit of scholarship i was i was overjoyed i was because like well when i was being recruited they were like all right once you score a point at big tens you can get put on scholarship So I scored a point my indoor season. I was like, yes, like scholarship, here we go. (laughs) And then uh, coach called me and she was telling me about it. And I was super happy. I was like, yay, my first goal is like done. I scored. Mm -hmm. I made it to nationals that year. I didn't do well, but, and I got put on a little bit of scholarship. I was like, all right, perfect. Like three off the checklist. Now he has to create a new one. A hundred percent. The other thing is when you went to the Big Ten Championship and won your first Big Ten Championship, what was that like? And how much, honestly, how much hard work did that take to get to that point? That is mm, – that, <laughs> so that was my favorite Big Ten Championship, but I don't – like my big – my favorite, like, win. But I the last one, it was cool, too, because I beat the record. So for Big Ten's outdoor, so I'm like – trying to figure out which one I like more but that meet was almost very bad because I was warming up very well like I was doing well I was throwing distances that would get me into finals so I was like all right perfect get into the ring for my first three throws like I swear that whole year I'd been throwing like 56 feet 50 feet 49 38 like bad bad I somehow barely made it into finals I think I was the last person to make it in I think I made it in by like four centimeters or something so it was very very close and I remember my coach came over to me and she was like I don't know what you're doing like we're supposed to win this meet if you don't win 
this meet, we don't win big tens. And I just, I don't remember anything after that. Like, (laughs) that's so bad. I just like blacked out. I was like, like. You just got in that zone. You got, you were ready to go. You're not going to be the girl who lets down the team. Like everybody's come together. Oh, it it was so bad. I was talking so much shit to myself, but ultimately like I threw a good throw. And then I just remember like, I, immediately when it left my hand I was like oh that was a good throw and I saw it land near the line that was like 18 meters I was like let's go I walk out of the ring I'm like screaming my ass off and it like ended up winning and it was amazing (laughs) (laughs) so what are your actual workouts like how often do you work out currently so it depends on the time of year in the fall so right now we're in the preseason training so we Mm -hmm. only have eight hours of actual like practice times allowed per week so we'll do two hours sorry I thought I just heard somebody come in here (laughs) we'll do hours of lifting for four days a week normally it doesn't take two hours it's normally like an hour and a half hour 45 minutes but we'll talk for like 15 minutes before or after just like to debrief or like recap what's going to happen and then Right now, those lifts are kind of like I touched upon earlier, a lot of circuit training. Um, We're starting to slowly get into our high volume, like hypertrophy phase. But right now, it's a lot of like circuits, you know, body weight stuff, just kind of cardio. Because we don't, once we get into our actual training, we don't do a lot of cardio just because we're so specifically focused on strength. Um, And then in like a week from now, we're going to go into three times a week of just straight lifting. And it's probably going to be like, we'll do an Olympic lift, a bench, and then we'll do a squat. And then we'll have like five or six auxiliaries at the end. And we'll do that, probably a circuit one of the days and another like clean bench squat type of workout another day and then once we're in season we lift two times a week sometimes three it depends on how many meets we have but we'll do a speed lift just to make sure we're firing the right muscles and then like one big lift where you're kind of destroying your body um where is the your favorite place that you've ever had a meet other than other than the home meets, because you can't call that. I'm talking about your way meets. Where Where is your favorite place that you've had? I really like throwing at the Armory. It's in New York. It's a. It's really cool. I like I like I like going to New York, so I think that's why I like that meet so much. But it's a lofted track, so like that meet not lofted, but like the corners are banked so they're Mm -hmm. going normally tracks flat the corners are like that so you get more turn and it's easier to like transition into the straightaway and then the throws area is right in the corner and there's like a stadium almost around the throws area so you see all these people like right above you while you're throwing and there's like a cage there it's super cool and it's very like close so you feel like everybody else's emotions when you're throwing so like if somebody's having a bad meet, you'll know and then like like either get excited from it or like take that energy with you, you know? Yeah. 
another question that I was actually told to ask from somebody who I knew from high school and they ran track and I asked them a couple questions. I ran track way back in middle school, but they told me to ask, are you an indoor or outdoor person? Which do you prefer and why? That's a, so this is a hard question. I like indoor because the temperature is regulated all the time. Mm-hmm. Cause, okay. So this is like what an indoor track looks like. Like you'll have the track right there. And then this is our throws area. And then we'll have like two rings over there. So like the temperature is always regulated and you'll be able to like know what you're walking into. But normally we don't travel a lot of places because the weather is normally like too bad for flights or something like that. So we'll just stay local. But I like outdoor because we get to travel places. Like I was in Oregon for 21 days. That was pretty cool. I went to Florida three times this year, like just all of these cool places we get to travel to. So it's pretty equal for me. I don't really have a favorite. I do like outdoor shop put rings better than indoor because indoors on wood, outdoors on cement. Okay. That mean that makes sense. Another one is, do you have any pre-meet routines? Everybody has almost their superstitions in a way. Do you have anything, if it's the day before, anything that you do every single meet? Yes. So I was looking through my wallet the other day and I like pulled out four receipts. My go-to pre-meet meal, which is what, uh, which I've had this for like five or six meets. So basically all of outdoor season besides Tokyo, they didn't have it there. I have steak, some sort of potato, a salad, and then some sort of vegetable. And I pulled out of my wallet, like four receipts from, or three receipts from Outback Steakhouse. And I was like, what are all of these from? And I looked at all the days. It was like right before I was supposed to throw every single day. I was like, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, at least it's something tasty. Like you got a good meal before uh, me. Cause I know people that like wouldn't eat and stuff. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. Yeah. It's a, well, I mean, throwing's like not too bad. Cause you're not, you yeah. don't really have to do like the extensive warm up and everything, but yeah, that's, that's the only ritual I have. <laughs> so take me through, you said you were in uh, Oregon for 21 days. Take me through that whole thing from, winning i believe it was your national second national title to becoming an olympian take me through that whole thing and what that was like so this is actually really weird my time adjustment from oregon to coming back to ohio was actually worse than coming back from tokyo and oregon's only what three hours away yeah sounds yeah tokyo's 14 or 13 or something crazy like that Sorry, can I? No, you're good. You're good. So we get out to Oregon about three or four days before we're supposed to throw just have a little bit of time to adjust to the time zone. And then we have our national championship meet. That was my first time ever being in Oregon or being in Hayward Field. 
and Hayward Field, I don't know, is a pretty big field for like track and field athletes. It's supposed to be like super fast and just like super good energy all the time. So I get out there and my first like few rounds of throws are just like not good. I don't know what it was. I think I was partly tired and just like stressing myself out. So I wasn't like focusing in on the competition. And then we get to finals. I think I go into first place on my fifth round and then drop to second. And then in my sixth round, I win the me. But it was weird because like, I was obviously like excited to be there and win, but it just felt like, like, I don't know, the whole time I felt like I was experiencing it from outside of my body. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't like super excited after I won that. I mean, I was, but I also wasn't, it was weird. And then I stay out there. Olympic trials are like two weeks after nationals. So I stay out there for those two weeks just cause it didn't make sense to go back to Ohio for a week, come back then out. You'd have there. to readjust and then come back yeah. out and readjust. Yes, exactly. So I stayed out there. We trained out there. Luckily my coach, her husband, and then one of my other teammates, she's a sprinter. So like they were all out there with me. I was able to hang out with them. Like I wasn't just out there by myself. That would be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would have had the same outcome if I didn't have people with me out there. I would have gone a little crazy, but I stayed out there for that time. And then the weird thing that um, track does is that we had our preliminary throws or not track the Olympic trials does is we have our preliminary throws in the morning and then following the following or the, that coming night, we have our finals. And so this is different from a lot of meets that we normally go to. And so I went, did my initial throws. And then I went home, took an ice bath, like basically just trying to revive my legs and my opportunity to like, continue to compete and so I went did that and came back to the meet and I was like all right I'm ready to go like I knew I had to start off big I was like if I start off big like there's a better opportunity for me to make the meet rather than um if I start off like with a safety throw you know is what we normally call it and so then my distance stuck throughout the whole meet and I was able to make it to the Olympics, you know, it was crazy. As I was walking into the ring for my last throw, I already had known I made the meet. And so when I got there into the ring, I was just like completely like unfocused. I was like smiling like crazy. And then I like started crying as I was walking into the <laughs> ring. Too. It was, And I was like, I was like, all right, I don't even care how far this goes. I just want to throw it and then like go celebrate because exactly. my coach were right over there and then my family had my mom and dad actually had come out for that meet and nationals to like come watch me so it was cool so you made it to the olympics that i probably can feel like cannot replace any feeling that you've probably ever had in your life (laughs) being over in tokyo you know walking doing everything what was that like give me some experiences like what it was really truly like being over in tokyo competing for team USA so first off 
everybody in Tokyo was so nice. Everybody there was like, even though there was a language barrier, you know, they were just like super nice and like understanding. They tried to help us with any situation we were in. You know, if I was trying to find the bathroom, I would try and say. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, did you always have to like kind of almost like hand signal type things? I will translate on my phone and I would show them like the, I put bathroom in, in English and then just show them like, and they would point to where it was. Mm-hmm. And so they were super understanding. Second off, it was so clean over there. I have never seen a country so clean. I, the, tra- there was, I never saw a bag of trash on this. I, that sounds so weird, but I was so excited. But that is that. something I, that you notice too, especially like, oh, that, yeah. like you don't, you may not think of it much back here in the States, but when you go somewhere and you're like, I don't even see anything. It's crazy. <laughs> like what a difference when you, even- like I never even saw a trash can on the streets too so that was really that was shocking to me I was like wow that was really cool not because I think they're dirty but like just because there's living there I have to preface that but um after that I would say it was just cool to um like oh it was so hot there that's what that's the other thing I was about to say it was so hot every single day it was like 80 to 97 degrees some days over that and it was 80 percent humidity all the time so it was just constantly feeling like you were getting out of the shower mm-hmm. and it was terrible so it's almost like that florida weather where you just constantly feel worse than florida worse than florida and so we so usa was lucky enough to have their own training hall so normally I would just have to practice where everybody else practices, but USA had their own facility and it was basically a facility for gymnastics, wrestling, any of those sports. And you would just go there, basically spend your whole day there. Cause it was a one hour bus ride there, one hour bus ride back. So I would go there at 10 in the morning, sit around for an hour, get ready for practice, practice for an hour and a half, two hours. And then sit around they had a food hall there so i would eat lunch or dinner and then go back to uh the village and the village was pretty cool i mean they had imagine like your typical college dorm like all the towers with all the like student housing and that's basically it but each country has their own tower so it'd be like a usa tower uh china tower japanese tower but like the smaller countries, I think Venezuela's was one, they would share a tower just because they don't have as many people yeah. coming. But other than that, I would say one of my favorite moments while there was walking into the stadium. I think it was a beautiful stadium. It was built just for this event. So it had never been used and just walking into it, I was in complete awe. I was like, this is the, this is the only stadium I've ever seen. That's like just for track. It's so pretty. <laughs> like, it was awesome. It's crazy. Like I can't even imagine what that feeling of walking in is like, and mm-hmm. like being surrounded by all these people. You probably watch some of them. You probably watched growing up as a kid. Like oh. that's, that's what's crazy too. I was going to ask, did you actually build any connections with any of the other athletes through the Olympics? So I was able to talk to a lot of the team USA athletes, but other than that, I didn't see many other countries athletes. Um, I know a few of them from college. I know, um, 
one of them for Trinidad and Tobago. She competed against me in college. So I remember her, but other than that, I didn't really like get to talk to anybody just because we were there for competition and exactly. I to be waiting to throw and be like, Hey, what's your name? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> everybody like had their own agenda in a way and like was prepared for the task that they had at hand. Oh yeah. So I want to ask you a few questions real quick about every, like just being an athlete in general, going from walk on doing all this incredible stuff. What advice would you give to maybe a young athlete, like maybe a freshman in college or somebody that's about to graduate college, what advice would you give them? I would just say always trust the process. You know, a lot of the times I put the analogy of you have a pickaxe and sometimes the pickaxe gets dulled down and you're trying to break through this wall. But at the end of the wall, there might be like gold or whatever you want, like a new house, a new dog, like something like that. There's always going to be that goal at the end. And it's just a matter of how hard you work with what you're given to get to that goal. That right there, how hard you work with what you're given, because you're not always going to be given the best tools for the task. And that's Mm -hmm. in anything in life, career-wise, family-wise, whatever it is, you may not always be given the best tools, but you have to work hard with it. And if you don't put any effort, you might have to put in more effort than someone else, but that's okay because guess what? That feeling at the end of when you actually do achieve that task is going to be better than the person who didn't hardly have to work for it. Mm-hmm. You, you feel more accomplished because you worked your ass off to get what you want. That is one thing that every one of my accomplishments, and I'm sure you can say the same, the ones that I worked my ass off for, I feel I still to this day, people might get annoyed that I still talk about them sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> we are proud of our, our achievements that we have. And right. it, if you have to work for it, it's a way more better feeling. And, yeah. you know, there's, I'm not a very religious person, but God gives the, um, I can't even remember the saying the toughest uh, challenges to the toughest soldiers or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. you you're going to be given, sometimes that's what you need is those tough times. And you're going to have those downs, those ups and downs, like we've talked about. And that's okay. Just keep fighting, keep going, keep working your ass off. And you never know where you might get hell. You might get to the Olympics just like you, <laughs> but yeah. I have three questions that I like to ask all of my guests towards the end of the episode. And the first one I'm very curious to hear this from you is what are the goals for you going forward? So my first, my goal, my first two goals for this year, break the indoor national record, which I think it's like 1947, 1937, somewhere in there. So my goal is to throw 1950, just so I'm over it. I know I beat it. And then outdoor phone call. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yep. We're good. Sorry. I was getting a phone call. Second one, break the outdoor record. And then the world championships for track are this year and they're in Oregon again. So I am going to try to make that team. That's the next goal we got for this year. And then hopefully at the end of this year, you know, somewhere in there, I, um, getting all the popular person tonight. Um, I somehow, I somewhere throw 20 meters. Another one that I like to ask is who is your biggest inspiration? I guess I, I keep messing this up. I need to put it when I write it down, but who or what is your biggest inspiration? 
definitely one of the biggest inspirations in my life is um, my family. You know, right before indoor nationals, my grandpa actually passed away like a week before we were supposed to leave. And I was like debating so hard on if I actually wanted to go or not. And I was talking to my parents about it. I was like, I'm going to miss the funeral. Like, I don't want to go type of thing. And they were like, if you don't go, like grandpa is going to be like upset with you. His name was Paul. So we called him grandpa. And so I like went there and I ended up like winning and I was just overjoyed. I like called my parents right after and they were like, grandpa is so proud of you, like all this stuff. And so that's like definitely one of the biggest like factors in my success, you know, every time I throw, my mom will text me, don't forget to be awesome. That's kind of like her catchphrase that she uses every single meet. She'll send me a text that my grandma will text me every single meet and be like, throw it to the moon. And sometimes she'll use like a little emojis. I don't know how she knows how to work her phone, but sometimes emojis, sometimes she won't. And just like always having them as my support is awesome. And then one person I look up to is um, Baker Mayfield. Cause just cause he came in from a similar situation, you know, he was a walk on at Oklahoma and then eventually like made his way to the NFL. And I just think hearing from that and like hearing the success behind him and his story is just really helpful and encouraging to me and other walk-ons to like, know it's possible to do such great things from different circumstances that other people are in. You know, sometimes I've looked at, you look at, there's a lot of success stories with these walk-ons mm-hmm. and every sport, no matter what sport, sometimes, you know, people might get discouraged being a walk-on, but sometimes that might be the best thing for them because they have that fuel to work harder than everyone else put in. Cause you feel like you have to put in more effort and you honestly, you might have to, and oh, yeah. it, it can excel you way past your potential. Your what you think is right. your potential and then it, you can lead the great things. Look at you. Look at Baker Mayfield. Look at even <laughs> C.J. Saunders, who I've had on this podcast, who's now playing for the Panthers. Like, all these things, you know, you, being a walk-on, some people think bad about it. But in reality, it could be the best thing for that athlete. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it helps fuel a lot of people. But obviously, like, there are some that get discouraged by it. But it's, sh- like – when you're a walk-on, you can't just rely on that talent that you have from high school or whatever. So you know that different meaning of, I have to work hard to get here. I have to work hard. Nothing was ever like given to you because of your like athletic ability before that. So I think that's one of the things that separates a lot of walk-ons and their mentality from that. Yeah, hundred percent. Cause I remember too, like kind of, this is a similar situation. Like my senior year, when we're in high school, I mean, let's be real. If you, most of us, if we go play college sport, you're top dog in high school. And mm-hmm. my senior year, I got lazy. And I, I mean, <laughs> I was out for multiple games for a very, for breaking my elbow, but I also like, I just did not have the season I wanted to have. And I looked at like, looking back now, it's cause I got lazy. And then when you get to that first year of college and you know, I wasn't, a, we don't have walk-ons at the D3 level or anything. Everybody <laughs> just, it's different situation, but you know, I got that wake up call like, hey, dude, you're not as good as you might think you are. And sometimes that walk on can like being like put as a walk on can be your wake up call to, all right, I need to work harder because and the other you can flip it too and look at some of the scholarship athletes. They'll continue to do almost like just, you know, half ass things in a way. And the, you'll might see them drop off. You've seen multiple recruits you know, oh, we got this 
I'm a football guy and you're like, oh, Ohio State has this big time five-star recruit coming in. But then all of a sudden, two years later, they're no longer playing football. It happens right. all the time. So sometimes okay. being that walk-on is 100% okay. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah, it's it's a different mentality that people like come in with as walk-ons versus like other athletes. You know, you have to fight for your spot to be on the team. Mm-hmm. So you have to give 110, 120% effort every single practice. So it just is very different from in my experience at least i'm not i i can't talk like in my experience there's a clear difference on like everybody on the team but one of my favorite questions that i like to finish up with is if you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing what would it be don't do hurdles when i doing when i was in middle school i was set on doing hurdles I was like, this is going to be my thing. I practice them by myself. I would go home and practice hurdles by myself. And I remember I was so mad when my coaches were like, you're not doing that. Don't even try. And they were like, you're sticking with shot put. I was so mad at them. So I would tell myself that and just stick with shot put. And you'll probably like the outcome from it. <laughs> sometimes we might, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself a lot of things, but sometimes athletically, <laughs> those are some of the best things that you wish you could have told yourself. Cause oh. I stuck with basketball for way too long. Yeah. Yes. But- I, I ran cross country in high school. I stuck with like, I like the team aspect of it, but I stuck with it way too long. There's no correlation between cross country and shot put. So no. <laughs> <laughs> But this leads us into my favorite segment of the podcast, which is Motivation Monday, y'all. Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give our Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone as they listen on Monday morning or whenever they choose to listen to it. But what do you have for Motivation Monday? (laughs) I'm not really a good motivator. I kind of just say everything like straight up as it is. But I mean, we've touched upon a lot of it, like your hard work determines how successful you will be in life and like where your career path takes you you know you have to really focus on what you want to do and what how people not how people perceive you but like how you perceive yourself and how you can make all these different in your life you know if you want to go to the Olympics or play professional football, like you have to live the lifestyle to be in that position to go to that next level. You know, Um, that's one of the most important things. Like you can't say you want to, you want to be a CEO one day, or you want to, like I said, be a professional football player. You can't say that and just be doing whatever you want. You, you have to live the lifestyle to really like, solidify that that's what you want and that's what you're going to do a hundred percent like you have to live that life that's essentially what you're saying like and it's mm-hmm. going back to the whole thing look up to those people who are doing things better than you because right if you want to be doing that then maybe you should be looking at them not at the people who are talking about or you know or almost saying oh they're not doing it right you got to look mm-hmm. at some of the people if they're successful like you got to look at 
Elon Musk, I guarantee you, I believe he looked at other people like Jeff Bezos, what they yeah. did, learn from them. You learn from their mistakes and you learn from their successes. But the one right. thing you can't get anything better than actually doing it yourself as well, because I've always said multiple times on this podcast, you can, you will learn more from your failures than you ever will your successes. Because right. those failures push you in the right directions. And mm -hmm. it's okay to fail. People fear failure. I've talked about all on this podcast multiple times. Like this is not my first podcast. My first podcast completely failed. And you know <laughs> what? I look at it now because I only had 13 episodes last, on my last podcast, but now I'm up to 57. So it's a whole different like aspect. And right. it's crazy. Like your failures, it's okay to fail. Don't, don't fear it. Now don't try to fail. Always try to succeed, but just know those failures will come. Don't take it as a, oh, don't feel sorry for yourself. Learn from it and grow. Yeah. Like you said, like, don't let those failures define you. You know, in my career, like I said earlier, like I started off with a terrible mark. I was set on that defining me. And then I finally had like the mindset change of like, this is not who you are. Like, this is not how you want to show off all of your skills. You do not want to be like, not that other people's opinions matter, but like, this is not how you want to show off all of your hard work. Like you didn't put this hard work in for nothing. You want to be the best and to be the best, you can't let those failures define you. A hundred percent. But with that, that's a wrap on the 57th episode of the Roughnecks podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people follow you on social media and continue to follow your career? Yes. So my Instagram is a-A-Q-U-I-L-L-A. -L -L -A. I'll put it and right then, here on the screen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wherever it is. And then my Twitter is Adelaide Aquila. Be sure to go follow her. Continue to support her. Maybe we'll see her in the Olympics again. Hopefully. I think I have a good feeling Cheers. that we will. I have a feeling Three that we years. will. But thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode. I, you guys know the deal. Life is hard and it's going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider. Get up, grab the bull by the horns, and take control of your life. Roughnecks out. Thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then do a couple things for me if you would. Subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Then share this episode with a friend so that we can continue to spread this podcast and share my guest stories and advice. You guys know the deal though. Until next time, be sure to grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Roughnecks out. Oh, thank you.